This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Coming up, how the tragic death of Humboldt Broncos defenseman Logan Boulay has not only given life to others, but inspired Canadians to sign their organ donation cards. And foodies will know the name Lynn Crawford. The Toronto-based celebrity chef dropped by to chat before picking up a Lifetime Achievement Award. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A person with a history of traumatic brain injury is more likely to develop dementia even decades later. A new study published this week followed 3 million people over 36 years. It found those with a brain injury had a 24% higher risk of being diagnosed with dementia. The study is published in The Lancet Psychiatry. Still with brain health, another study this week suggests you don't lose brain cells as you age. Researchers autopsied the brains of 28 people of varying ages. They found that all brains, regardless of age, appeared to produce new brain cells, but older brains don't create as many of the blood vessels needed to feed them. The study is published in Cell Stem Cell. A rookie Canadian full-bore shooter is making his debut at the Commonwealth Games at the age of 79 and 9 months. Bob Pitcairn has officially become the oldest participant to ever compete. He tops the record held by Doreen Flanders of England, who participated in lawn bowls at Glasgow in 2014, a few weeks after her 79th birthday. A Japanese man was certified this week by Guinness World Records as the world's oldest person at 112 years and 269 days. Masazo Nanaka was born in 1905. He grew up in a large family and ran a hot springs resort. The supercentenarian has outlived his wife and two of their five children. His hobbies include soaking in Japan's hot springs and eating sweets. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's being called the Logan Boulay effect. The Humboldt Broncos defenseman signed his organ donation card when he turned 21 just a few weeks ago. Tragically, he was among the 16 killed in the horrific crash last week in Saskatchewan. But his decision has inspired others, and there's been a huge increase in the number of Canadians signing up as organ donors. Ronnie Gavsey is with Trillium Gift of Life. Since the day that we as Canadians found out that this young Logan, 21 years old, had registered consent and become an organ donor, the number of online registrations in Ontario has dramatically increased. As we understand, it has across Canada. Give me an idea of the numbers. 
Well, the numbers on an average day are about 42 new online registrations, and within a few days following our all finding out about it, it has gone up over 800. It is still climbing. How long would you expect that effect to continue? Very difficult to say, and one of the challenges we face in Ontario uh, in particular and perhaps elsewhere is that numbers peak when people hear about the, are jolted by these uh, situations, but it is a difficult thing to sustain the increase in registrations. We hope that people will see what a hero, uh, what an example this Logan is, and his behavior will motivate and inspire people for days, weeks, and years going forward. What's the difficulty in sustaining that kind of interest? People need to be educated over and over and over again until they actually are motivated to take action. People are motivated when they know someone who's been affected, whether it's a donor family or a recipient, or when they hear about a situation such as happened in Humboldt that somehow hits them in their heart. And that's what's happened here. Now, I know that Logan's organs helped six people. Is that the usual number? One organ donor can save eight people and, in fact, can enhance the lives of 75 others through tissue donation, which includes eyes, skin, bone, and heart valves. So many, many people can be saved through organ and tissue donation. And are there restrictions? Let's start with age. If if people are older, are their organs desirable? So there are no restrictions. Age is not a factor. We have recorded tissue donors over 100 years old and organ donors over 90. Preceding or previous illnesses would not preclude you from registering. Every one of us would be assessed for medical suitability if we were potential donors. As people get older, uh, they do get certain kinds of conditions, heart conditions. I mean, so is everybody's heart suitable or is it tested at the time? How does that work? No, everybody's heart is not suitable, but their lungs may be perfect. Their liver may be. They may be able to donate kidneys or pancreas. Or they may be able to donate eyes, skin, heart valves may be perfect. And religion is another area people sometimes think is a barrier. But in fact, all major religions not only support it, they encourage it. They consider it an obligation to save a life. That's the priority whenever it's possible. So do people specify what they want to donate or is it just kind of everything? When you register consent, you will see there are a list of choices to be made. You could say that you are registering to donate everything, or you can make choices. But in the uh, event that you are a potential donor, the medical staff will assess suitability for donation. They will, of course, follow the choices that you have registered for. What about the issue that even if somebody signs their donor cards, the family at the time can overrule their wishes? 
it is the law in Ontario that the family must consent to donation. If their loved one has registered, the family will almost always consent. But if they do not, they have to provide evidence that their loved one changed his or her mind. We've seen quite a good increase. We're in Ontario at 32% registration rate, and we've seen that uh, climb quite steadily over the last approximately 10 years. But it's it climbs slowly. It takes 125,000 net new registrations to move the needle 1%. We approach every family of a potential donor, whether or not their loved one had registered. And in almost all cases where their loved one has registered, their family will consent. When the family has no idea what their loved one wanted, that number falls dramatically. By making organ donations, it helps the families get over the trauma of losing their loved one. Yes, there is research that indicates families' sorrow is softened and their grieving process is made easier when they have donated the organs of their loved ones. They have left a legacy. They are very proud and many become advocates for organ donation. Follow Logan's example. Don't just think about it. Register consent today. Okay. Ronnie Gavsey, thanks so much. Thank you, Libby. That was Ronnie Gavsey, president and CEO of Trillium Gift of Life. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up... Celebrity chef Lynn Crawford dishes about the exploding food scene in Toronto and elsewhere. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. A brilliant, talented person who we all know and love very much, and that's Lynn Crawford. This week, celebrity chef Lynn Crawford picked up a Lifetime Achievement Award from Canada's 100 Best Restaurants, a publication that lists the best in the industry. She is a pioneer of the vibrant food scene in Toronto and across the country, a perennial presence on food television, and the owner of Ruby Watchco, Lynn came to the Zoomerplex before receiving the honour. There have been a huge change in Toronto in the food scene and the way people see food and relate to it. What are the main things that you've seen over the course of your career? Well, I think that the bar has been set very, very high about what expectations are for when you go out to dine. And I think that that's marvelous. I remember back, uh, (laughs) you know, say in the 70s when I was just starting to eat out and there were, you know, two French restaurants here. But the scene has really exploded. How sophisticated are Toronto people about food? People are are really searching for quality and understanding where their food comes from and, and making conscious decisions about what is the best. And I think that, you know, when you look at the demographics in Toronto specifically, it is so diverse. And there's so many wonderful little pockets within the city that have that influence from different cultures. 
but that we are this huge melting pot, for lack of a different culinary term, of so many different cultures and flavors. And I think that that is what we're so, I'm, I'm, I get really excited about going out and enjoying an evening out. But more importantly, I think that Toronto chefs and restaurateurs, um, there's a wonderful community there. And I think that, you know, it's about independence, of course, but solidarity as well as working together of, of really trying to create this culinary mecca. And I think that we can safe to say that we've done that. What did baby boomers bring to the whole culture of eating out? And I think it's very different with younger people, millennials, who are also really into it. I think that going out what once was a dining experience would be one that you'd have to spend a lot of money or save up for that really wonderful experience. That's no longer. I think that looking back at having going out for a, a fine dining experience back in the day in the 70s and 80s and 90s, it was all about big French inspired meals of beef wellington and heavy sauces and and such. I mean, it was, you know, and that linen was, you know, pressed tablecloths and how many glasses on the table and how many forks and spoons can you possibly put on a place setting. But now it's about great quality value is really important. It's expensive. It's very expensive to go out to eat it, in it, Toronto. It, it can well be. But again, you know, uh, portion sizes and, and the different varieties of restaurants that are out there. And those chefs that are really focused on local, how great is that? That's when you'll, you know, you get a lot of diversity and you see a lot of different choices out there. And what are your observations about the way baby boomers approach dining? Uh, I think that they're into it. I think that there's a love of it. There's an appreciation of it. I think that, they're again, it's asking the questions about where our food comes from and making the right choices. Are things sustainably caught? Are, are things of the season? Are the products as local as they can be? I mean, they're, they're really intelligent, wise questions that people are asking, and I think the baby boomers are doing that. That's your thing, farm to table. I mean, you've had a TV show where you went to the people who made the food, so obviously that's a focus for you. It always has been. I, I mean, I, I think that um, it's all sensory for me, and cooking with the seasons is all about that, and having the best taste of the ingredients that are, are from the season, that's important. And having the experience that I did have for the four years of shooting uh, Pitchin' In is working alongside the farmers, the, the ranchers, and the fishermen. I mean, they are the true stars. It's unbelievable what a farmer, how hard they work and what they do for us to give us great food to cook with. The industry, right? I've always found it this really strange anomaly where in most of the world when it comes to home cooking, it's been considered women's work, uh, partly as a sexist thing, but the industry has been so male-dominated and now has come under a lot of fire for being sexist. Uh, what did you encounter as a female chef, and what are your thoughts on it? The profession is not, has not been an easy one, and it hasn't been an easy one for women chefs, that's true. When you look at salaries for chefs, very, very different back in the day. But there were not, when I was starting off in the industry, there was me and maybe 50 was the ratio, like one to 50, I don't know, or one to 100. You're right, there were not a lot of women in kitchens. That's changed now, for sure. I don't know what the statistic is in culinary schools, but I'd say it's 50-50, 
the restaurant scene here is booming. It's hard to get a reservation. It is hard to get a reservation, but you know what? There's, uh, listen, there's hundreds of great restaurants here. I mean, just make plan, always book. Uh, there's a great app also that you should check out. I just signed up for it. It's called Diner, oh, D-I-N-R. Right, right, Listen, I know you want it. to get a reservation right now? We can go anywhere. Oh, where Look, are we going? I don't know. Look, where do you want to... Bar Isabel? Oh, Ruby Watchgo? Why not Ruby Watchgo? Oh, That's why a, not? That Piano Piano, um, Lights. There's lots of great restaurants. Anyway, this is a really good app that you should uh, hook up on. Okay, anything else you want to leave us with? No, you know, it just support our Toronto chefs and our restaurateurs. And uh, go out and dine at least six days a week. (laughs) Good idea. Thanks a lot. Thanks. That was Chef Lynn Crawford, who just received a Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, he's often called Reverend Al Green. The soul singer celebrated a birthday this week. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review. All things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your International Arts Date Book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. We Shall Overcome Civil Rights and the Press has opened at the Frist Center in Nashville, presenting photographs documenting the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King. The pictures are from the archives of the Tennessean and the Nashville Banner. In Melbourne, Australia, a digital exhibition is opened at the city's Immigration Museum, exploring key events in the life of Mahatma Gandhi during a self-imposed exile in South Africa. In Scotland, the second annual New Art Festival will have a decidedly Norwegian feel. New Art has taken place in Stavanger, Norway since 2001. And in London, a reconstruction of an Iraqi statue destroyed by Islamic State terrorists has been unveiled in Trafalgar Square. The artwork will stand for two years on the empty fourth pedestal of the city's central plaza. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Date Book. Legendary soul and gospel singer Al Green celebrated his 72nd birthday this week. Born in Arkansas, Green grew up singing gospel music with his brothers. In his teens, he got booted out of the house by his devout father after being caught listening to R&B legend Jackie Wilson. He later formed a vocal group, Al Green and the Creations, and released a number of singles. His many hits include Take Me to the River, I'm Still in Love with You, and his signature song, Let's Stay Together. That was Al Green with Let's Stay Together. He turned 72 this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy.
This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.